the Utah Utes are running some pretty hot garbage Iowa bad type of offense. Will there be any excuse for USC's defense? You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every day, whether you're watching the show on YouTube or wherever you're going to download your podcast. Just remember, the show is free, and I appreciate your support. And you can show your appreciation if you're watching on YouTube. Become a subscriber. It's so quick, it's so easy, and it's free. Just click that red subscribe button. And when you see the thumbs up, smash it. Make it happen. And I do not want you to miss one episode. Monday through Friday, plus our post-game reaction. Click that bell notification button and you are covered. This episode is brought to you by PrizePix. Go to prizepix.com forward slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. I need to send a thank you shout out to one of my viewers for giving me the latest up-to-date team scoop regarding the Utah Utes. This comes from, poster's name is Doodle Bob. And Doodle Bob says, Utah fan here, our struggles go so much further than quarterback. We are missing running backs two, three, and four. We are missing tight ends one and two. Just got word yesterday that Thomas Yasmin is out for the season. Missing Cole Bishop for the first half of the game. We are missing start, starting offensive linemen and starting defensive linemen. To say we are hot garbage is dismissing that we have been obliterated by injuries. We have no right winning this game. If we do, USC's problems are worse than we think. So he, she, I I can't assume anymore. Doodle Bob obviously took exception to my description of Utah's offense as being Iowa bad, hot garbage. My description was Utah is struggling putting a point. And they have all, literally zero passing game right now. I knew that the Utes were banged up. But apparently, they're feeling their JV team with so many of their so many of their backups stepping up and filling in roles, right? However, Doodle Bob did make an excellent observation. And thank you for, for pointing this out, stating the obvious. But it, it's nice to know that you know, there are fans out there who can have a, a rational conversation, even though they come from a different fan base. Uh, Doodle Bob said, Utah has no business winning this game. And Doodle Bob is absolutely correct. Because if they do, then USC's problems are definitely much deeper than people think or are aware of. Right now, USC is tied for, for number three in the nation in tackles for loss on defense. 58, tied for third in the country. And there's number seven in the nation in sacks. They have 22 through their first seven games. Last week, they didn't get to Notre Dame's quarterback. Those are solid stats. However, Alex Grinch's defense also gives up a lot of yard and a lot of points. Again, I'm stating the obvious. And those aren't solid stats. Again, stating the obvious. I've gone over 
last season's two games between USC and Utah more than enough. We're, we're not going to rehash that again. Uh, however, um, Utah is on a three-game winning streak versus USC, and that dates back to the Clay Helton era. Overall, USC leads this series 13 to 9, and USC has won nine out of the 11 games that have been played in Los Angeles during their during their this uh, during this series between the two teams. Now, it's also this is most likely the last time these two teams are going to play this season. Uh, both are obviously going to different conferences at the end. And I guess a conference championship game rematch is possible. I, I think it's probably highly doubtful. Don't forget, Utah already has one loss in conference. USC, zero losses. So this game will have significant impact on the conference championship race. Here's the thing. Since Utah joined the Pac-12, USC only has a 7-6 to six advantage wins over losses against Utah. Not only would it be big trouble for Lincoln Riley's Trojans if they were to lose this game, but it would also mean USC's defense allowed an anemic offense to find itself you know, in a position to let Utah win. Uh, yeah. On the road against what Lincoln Riley told us was the number one scoring offense in the country, there is no way in hell Utah's offense should be able to put up enough points, even against an Alex Grinch defense, to win. Remember, Utah's offense has struggled all year long. I think they're they're like 21 points a game. Look, I get it. Utah has a great defense. One of the best in the country. And Riley, you know, I, I said it on yesterday's episode of Locked on USC. You know, Riley loves to game plan and go and go up against defensive-minded coaches. But look, I don't care how bad Alex Grinch's scheme is for college players. There will be absolutely zero quarter given if the Ute offense wakes up and puts up points. I've already gotten used to the idea that a big play is going to happen. That happens every game. It happens every week. Still, you cannot allow Utah, even if Cam Rising somehow drags his Willis Reed leg across the, the field and, and gets into the game, they're not when they're missing that many key members. It, it just it can't happen. It can't be allowed. There will be no excuse acceptable. For you stat geeks, Utah's offense has thrown for 20 or more yards just 7% out of their 140 attempts this season. That's 17th, 17th worst among the FBS offenses. USC's defense, check this out. This, is my, this might stagger you a little bit. USC's defense has allowed 20-plus yards on just 12 point. 3% of attempts this season. That's second best among Pac-12 defenses. I'm going to assume Utah's number one. I didn't look it up past that. Utah's wide receivers average a touchdown every 27.0 receptions. That's So they've got two touchdowns and 54 with 54 receptions. 
That's the third worst receptions per touchdown among Power 5 teams averaging that average 10. USC has allowed 4.2 touchdowns per interception. They've got 17 touchdowns allowed and four interceptions, fifth worst among Power 5 teams. Yeesh. As well, USC has allowed six touchdown passes in close and late situations, most among Power 5 teams. I told everyone on yesterday's episode, Bryson Barnes and Nate Johnson have a, Utah's quarterbacks, have a combined 897 yards and four touchdowns through six games. If USC's pass defense cannot shut down that unit, then I, I literally, I don't know what to say. Last week against Cal, Utah had a, they had a, a safety. That's his normal position. Um, Sione Vaki, he, he stepped up and played running back. He ran for 158 yards along with uh, Jaquindon Jackson, who added another 94 yards. Utah's offense last week against Cal was rushing the ball. USC's defense needs to focus on stopping the run, period. Full stop. Because losing four in a row to this Utah squad on off their offense, and letting Utah leave the conference, even Steven, with a 7-7 seven and seven record versus USC, that's going to be unacceptable. USC's number one scoring offense in the country, number two, number three, whatever it is now, they have to be able to outscore Utah's offense. And I don't care how bad Alex Grinch's defense is. It is better than Utah's offense. Much better better be, right? Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily for, daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of players including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on 2 to 6 players. It's a stat projections and watch the winnings just literally roll on into your account. Price Picks is a skill-based, real money daily fantasy sports game. Price Picks offers projections on any sport that you want to watch, from college football, college basketball, NFL, the Major League play, Major League Baseball playoffs, NBA, hockey, you name it, they got it. You're going to pick two to six players, and if they will go more or less than their Price Picks projections. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. At Prize Picks, you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Here's an example. I'm making these up. USC will score more than 40 points against Utah's defense. The Trojans' defense will allow less than 30 points. Caleb Williams will have more touchdown throws than interceptions. PriceFix offers a recently improved deposit and withdrawal experience, including the option to use Apple Pay for quick deposits into your account. I mean, that's great security. So go to pricepix.com forward slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, go to pricepix.com forward slash locked on college, use code locked on college. And you're going to get a first match deposit up to $100.
The college football season is here, and this season, Locked On is kicking up our coverage. Each Friday, Locked On will go live from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. Locked On College Football Live will cover the college football playoff implications, the conference rivalry games, and go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts covering their team every day. You can find Locked On College Football Live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. It's been a few weeks since I've uh, attended a USC practice. And look, I, I still have my inside sources as well as, you know, the staff I work with over at WeRSC.com. I'm always pulling info from those guys. And no, I have not been suspended from practice. Um, I know someone tried to float that out there. No, I, I got that firsthand. I'm, I'm good. Um, however, I wanted to see what I've been missing these last couple of weeks. So apparently I haven't missed, I have not been missing too much. <laughs> um, but that loss to Notre Dame, the day I decided to go back to practice, I, I think it's put Coach Lincoln Riley into full circle the wagons mode. Yeah. In fact, I know that emails have even been sent out to Trojan family members saying, Stay clear of the media. Don't talk. We're, let's just keep everything in-house. That was the gist of the email. So, again, I wasn't at Tuesday's practice. However, I let Eric McKinney know that I was coming for Wednesday. I work with Eric over there at wrc.com. You know who he is. Great guy. And he said something in the text message that really didn't catch my serious attention until it actually happened. He said that he was going to miss the early part of Wednesday's practice, and he was just going to get there for the interviews. Um, we and he said we literally just got like five minutes yesterday, nothing past stretching. Sometimes Eric's dry sense of humor and hyperbole are really hard to distinguish from the truth. Uh, his personality is really funny, but sometimes I don't know if he's being serious or not. <laughs> he wasn't exaggerating this time. Look, maybe Lincoln Riley can afford it, but I can't afford today's gas prices. So just for me to drive out there and see the guys stretch and then be asked to leave practice because they might be afraid someone might ask a, ask them a question after practice, like if they see a player working with a different position group than their usual one. Um, yeah. I, we literally saw, I'm not exaggerating or joking in the least. Here's, here's what happened during practice today, what we got to see. If you go check out my notes and observation report over on wersc.com when you're done watching this episode of Locked on USC, you'll get the full gist of it. However, practice officially starts at 3.20 in the afternoon. And then once Lincoln Riley shows up at 3.20, uh, the team immediately breaks into, you know, I'm assuming some sort of, you know, team walkthrough or, or scout session, something that's for their for their eyes only, at least for the, those next 20 minutes, because then around 3.40, the media is allowed into practice. And the first thing I got to see, 
and it was really cool to see, was uh, Solomon Tuliapupu, solo. Uh, he was jogging around. He's not in any way practicing with the team, um, but no knee brace, no nothing, no support of any kind, and he looked like he was moving pretty freely. I'm looking forward to him coming back next year if everything goes according to plan. Yeah, that's me knocking on wood. After I uh, appreciate Solo and his quick, you know, rehab, um, I, I'm watching the punt and kick returners fielding kicks. They're doing this against nobody. Um, you know, you got a couple of the punters over there, and then you got the jugs machine handling kickoff duties. So that's what we get to see as far as finger quotes live action. That and the team stretching. While those guys are re receiving kicks, the rest of the guys are lined up and they're going through their stretching and, you know, loosening up drills, push-ups, that, you know, just a whole menagerie of bleh, nothing exciting. The, like I said, the only other live action that I'm seeing besides the guy stretching is the jugs machine launching kickoffs that are being ang angled toward the sideline. So here's one practice observation for you. Just before one of the repetitions, um, I spotted Coach Kyle McDonald, and he was instructing Zachariah Branch on, on kind of what to judge and what to look for uh, when the ball is angled towards the sideline. So he has to kind of find his proximity to the sideline and judges, does he have a chance to catch the ball inbound and make a play in field, or is it better best suited to allow the ball to go out of bounds and start at the 35-yard line? When Branch actually received the next kick from the jugs machine, uh, Coach McDonald yelled out, you got to know why before you do it. The other highlight of practice, and it, it's really hard to imagine, but you know how high the hang time can be for a kickoff or for a punt, right? Sure you do. Zachariah had a really awesome one-handed snag of the ball that was going out of bounds literally put his hand out there it was over the sideline and his hand was velcro the ball just landed it in, didn't move didn't bobble it just crazy <laughs> now usually the media we're asked to turn our cameras off if they don't want us to video something like if the you know if the quarterbacks are on the other side of the field and they're just throwing three routes against air we're not even allowed to see that anymore. They don't even, it's like, no. Once the stretching was done, get out. So we saw no position groupings doing, you know, just regular fundamental drills, like tackling a rolling donut or a defensive lineman, you know, hitting the sled, form tackling with the linebackers, the Russians working on some, you know, swim moves. We weren't allowed to see any of that type of stuff. Nothing. Not a, Zilch. I mean, literally, I would I would prefer Coach Riley just have Katie Ryan, who is our sports information director, tell us we're not wanted to practice, then waste our time with that. Um, but all the fans were fine with Riley's practice policy as long as they were winning. Well, they're still winning, but things aren't going exactly according to plan this season compared to how they things went last year. Now, things are a little different. 
And I, I know Coach Riley wants his team's undivided attention. I get it. After that Notre Dame, I, I'll call it disaster. Let's just get everybody focused again. This is a huge, big game against Utah. I understand that. I also understand that the less of us, the media, watching uh, means more time for coaching without the untrained eyes questioning what we see. I don't know. Maybe it had to do with certain observations that should not have been mentioned in the past. I'm not referring to myself. I, I know what line, what question to ask, what not, what not to ask. But let's let's be honest here. We're, we're heading into week number eight. There aren't any secrets out there. There really aren't. Everyone's teams have injuries. Everyone's teams are making adjustments, including personnel moves. I've mentioned it, and it actually looks like it might be coming to fruition. If you watched yesterday's episode of Locked On USA, I talked about an offensive line change happening. Josh Henson spoke to us after practice on Wednesday. <coughs> And he actually alluded to a move. Most assume it's going to be Mason Murphy to right tackle. He also mentioned um, Alani Noah's name, as well as Killian O'Connor, as guys who are being evaluated this week. The, it, the question came up, who, who are those guys, you know, 6 through 10, the backups that you've been watching this week and making some judgment calls? Those, first, those were the first two names out of his mouth. I'm going to explain why I'd go a step further making changes along the offensive line in the next segment. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Medical emergencies are going to happen. That's why the Jace case is something everyone should consider because everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have the medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON at the checkout on jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S like Sam, E like Edward, medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. That's Jace, J-A-S like Sam, E, medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. All right, we're here in the third segment of the show. And talking about the O-line moves, I segued from the second segment into this third segment talking about it. Making wholesale adjustments on the offensive line this late in the season, that would take a really big pair. I mean, brass ones, big ones. Pete Carroll-sized brass ones. I know I bring that name up a lot, but let's not forget, his nickname when he got to USC was Big Balls Pete. But one of the first things he did, and he learned from it, was going for a fake punt on the road at Notre Dame his first time in South Bend. And that's where Big Balls Pete was born. So the offensive line, they, they, they're they catching a lot of heat for their performance last week. 
and rightfully so. They 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 had a really bad game. Everybody had a bad game last week. Of the three units that had the least poor performance, it would have been the Demons. When when we were done with Coach Henson following um, the interview session after practice Wednesday, he, he he literally said, "Is that it after six sacks?" And he said that as, as he's slithering away, walking away. He's trying to make fun of me. And I'm like, well, hey, you know, if you want to go there, stop walking away and let's talk some more. We knew that wasn't happening. But um, at the beginning of the season, Coach Henson, he, he talked about how he wants to be able to break everybody down and re- build them back up in their system. Having guys who are versatile to play different positions. It's a great, great philosophy. Great idea especially if they're going to be around for a couple of years. But teaching an old dog new tricks, especially an offensive lineman, that's probably asking a bit too much, uh, especially when you're asking them to play different positions than, they're, than they've been accustomed to. For instance, Jarrett Kingston played left tackle at Wazoo last year, and he was really good. I believe it was honorable mention all-conference. Emmanuel Prignon. He played right guard at Wyoming. So why are we forcing the square pegs into round holes? Why did we take Emmanuel Prignon from right guard and say, you're playing left guard? Why did we take Jared Kingston from left tackle and move him to right guard? Gone are Andrew Voorhees and Brett Nyland from last season. Look, I want my best five guys out there. I'd be shocked, but if this happened, but here are my five. Here's here are the five guys I would bring out if if I was in charge. And again, I'm put on the big pair. I'm going Jared Kingston at left tackle, Justin Dedick at left guard, Killian O'Connor at center. Jonah Monheim back at right guard, Mason Murphy at right tackle. Now I've got everybody back playing their natural spots where they're going to feel more comfortable. Asking an offensive lineman to, to change his footwork from the right side to the other side, that's a big ask. Everything is different. So when you, you see guys having, you know, they're clumsy and they're tripping, and they're running into other guys. It's because of that adjustment. They, it, it's a big, different move. When I'm talking about moving Jonah and Justin, this isn't a reflection on the on the jobs they've been doing. It has nothing to do with that. It's about putting five guys back out there where they came from, where they're going to feel more comfortable. Again, Kingston was a pretty good left tackle. And even though Jonah's done a great job at left tackle for USC this year, he dominated on the right side. Whatever lineup goes out there on Saturday, they're going to be facing a really good defensive line. I don't think anybody's going to doubt that, right? So USC's offensive line, whomever goes out there on Saturday, and I think it's going to be what we saw last week, except we're going to see Mason Murphy at right tackle replacing Michael Tarquin. They need to do what they did last season in Salt Lake City 
as well as in Vegas before Caleb Williams went down with his injury. And that's open up some run holes. And then don't allow six sacks like you did last week against Notre Dame. You do what you did last year against essentially the same Utah defense. USC's number one scoring offense should be able to do enough that even if Alex Grinch's defense has some of those weekly breakdowns, Utah's offense, and again, I'm not saying this to be mean, is hot garbage. You have Utah fans explain to you, they are missing a lot of key members at key positions. There is no excuse for USC to allow Utah's offense to get well, especially in Los Angeles. All right. I want to thank everyone for making this episode of Locked on USC their first watch every day. And I will get my ring light back. It broke. That's why I've got this glare on my glasses. I apologize. However, until this next episode of Locked on USC, which will be tomorrow, and I'll have my Friday rant, and I'm coming after a certain segment, certain population of the Trojan fan base. So until then, everyone, you know what to do.